The fourth industrial revolution is about the integration of technology and human beings. Does it sound familiar? Maybe you might get a tag implanted in you soon, right? That's the fourth industrial revolution. That's what we're moving into. But through that, we know that grace carries us. We went back and looked at the technologies of old. We went back and explored ancient technologies and grace is an ancient technology. It's not a technology that was just born in the last 258 years, by the way, that has gone past since the first revolution of coal all the way up until where we are now. 258 years in the lifespan of humanity is massive. So you better get to understanding how fast the world and how fast times are accelerating. And that's what we're all about here today. We want to understand this prognosticator for success. One of the things is EQ, IQ, right? But we want to get to this one called GQ, the grace quotient. And so we also spoke about the four pillars of kingdom culture. We spoke about apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And we said great grace came upon them. And great grace comes because of a kingdom culture. Because he gives us more grace God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. And that's just a recap, okay? So we're going to get into this technology series and we're going to start with grace. And my key text for this morning is from Exodus chapter 33, verses 17. And the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased and I know you by name. Now Moses was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. I want God to do the very thing that I ask because God knows me by name. If you want to get access to God and if you want to get God to know you by name, we need to unlock some of these grace technologies that are important. I'm going to introduce to some and reintroduce to others a very famous person in the Bible called Jochebed. And the reason is we need to be found in a grace-sufficient environment. We're going to talk about grace sufficiency versus grace deficiencies, right? And how did Jochebed unlock these technologies in her season, in her short time on the earth? And we'll talk a little bit about how does that bring value to God's big master plan for our lives. And so the story about Moses, when he led the children of Israel through to the promised land, he needed the technologies of grace. He could not have accomplished that without the technologies of grace. So what happened with the people of Israel? When they came to Marah, they complained about bitter waters. When they got hungry and thirsty in the desert, they complained. They complained about Moses' leadership. They complained about the size of the giants in the promised land. They complained so much that they ended up complaining about God. Now, does that sound familiar? How many of us are complainers? And because of that complaining, they ended up in grace deficiencies. And Moses had to find or pull them through with grace sufficiency. Much like us Christians today. We are looking for grace sufficiency and we are always looking to somebody else to pull us through. We're looking for grace sufficiencies because we complain a lot. And I'd like to perhaps say, like Cyrilus always says, I don't mean to hurt or harm anybody with what I say today. 
Okay, I mean it with the purest of heart. And I'm going to pray just now that the Holy Spirit is going to unction me. So, so please, you know, as, as the word of God speaks, so shall I. And how do we get to this place of grace sufficiency? We're going to unlock some of those technologies because I want Abba Father to know me by name. That is what I want. I want God to say to me, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased and I know you by name. Let's pray. Father, today, as we begin to get into your word, I thank you, Father, that I will be a vessel. I am a channel, Father, that you will speak through. I pray, Father, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me, to minister to me, and that whatever will be said would land in the soil of our hearts so that we may be encouraged. I pray over condemnation. I pray over every thought and wandering thought. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be the word that will go forth this morning. Amen. So we are living in an information age, an age where information is in overdrive. What happens in an internet minute? This is what happens when you're sitting here and everybody's scrolling online. In 60 seconds, there are 2,414 emails that are sent. There are roughly 347,000 Twitter messages that are sent in a minute, right? There's Facebook, more than 11,000 Facebook uploads per minute. 2.4 million Google searches in a minute. This is what's happening. This is the rate of change and transformation that is going on. And this is just what we see. This is halfway through 2023, guys. This is the latest stats. Do you know that there's a dark web? What happens in the dark web? Look at that. In the dark web, the hidden services on the dark web, we see things like pornography, black market trade, hacking. These are all the things that are happening on the dark web that you don't know about. But I'm going to take you one step further. There's a deep web. Right? So we've got the surface web where everyone's scrolling around. I showed you what happens in a minute. We've got the deep web and we've got the dark web. We are all sitting here with multiple intelligences. There are eight multiple intelligences that you need. And th those web services that I showed you are all targeted at every one of your multiple intelligences. They're designed to activate your intelligences. Every one of these, your nature, your smart intelligence, your nurture, your music intelligence, your people smart, your body smart, your picture smart, your words smart. This is what is happening to us at a psychological level. But to function in this world, to where I've brought you to now, you need grace. It is only grace because we are tired of good lectures. People have given us good lectures. We've had some great teachings. But we are in the time of transformation. So when you interact with people of E and I and Q and all these higher echelons, what do you expect? You will notice people with high IQs, good memory. People with high IQ actually understand how much they don't know. A person with high IQ knows and understands how much he doesn't know. People with high IQs have insatiable curiosity. They ask good and intelligent questions. They are sensitive to the experiences of others, open-minded. And people with high EQs, 
are those with a high sense of self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, good social skills. But now the question is, where are the people with high GQ? Can you easily pick out the people with the highest GQ in your social network, in your environment, in your ecosystem, in your circle of friends or in your social groups? Actually, maybe I should ask the question differently. Do you know what your GQ is? I was challenged by this. So the GQ, we said, is a foreteller of success. So we know about the IQ, we know about the GQ, we know about the SQ. Now we're exploring GQ. And this is why Paul, in the letters to the church, always began with grace to you and peace from God our Father. You know in these 13 letters to the church? That's how we always started. And how did he always end? He said, he signed out with the grace of Christ be with you. And in these repeated greetings, what was Paul trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us that the source of grace, the substance of grace, is in Christ. That's where the substance of grace, that is why he always greeted us with the grace of Christ be with you. He signed out with peace and grace from God our Father because Christ is the substance of grace. Grace is a substance, folks. It's, it, it is, remember, Christ is God. God is a substance. We need to be able to insert Christ into our lives. You need to understand how to insert Christ. In other words, you need a divine substance. You need the substance called grace. Let me say it differently. You need Christ to function in your grace quotient, to elevate your grace quotient. You need Christ. And this quotient will become evident when the substance of Christ is injected in your life. In the next scripture, Peter tells us, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what I discovered about this scripture, family, is this scripture is the secret to not backsliding. Do you know why we struggle to find our grace quotient? Because we backslide every Sunday. Every Sunday we pitch up in church, we get a little bit of goosebumps, we get a great word, and then we step back into our old mundane way of life. We backslide. And this is what Peter is saying. Lest you fall from your own steadfastness, that false sense of security, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in grace. That is how you get to a point of grace sufficiency. I am an unfinished project. I always tell my wife that. In fact, my wife says, you can never start something and finish it. Anybody like that here? Do you know how you've never started something and you haven't finished it? If I go to your computer and open your emails, your outlook, how many unsent emails would I find? It's going to come up. I'm worried now. Maybe everybody's here is not like me. Or maybe if I go to your search engine in Google, how many tabs will I find of things that you've been researching or that you've been searching for? Just left open, tab, 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 tab. Or if I go to that folder where you receive lots of good information and you store it in that folder, 
and you've got articles there dating back to 2000 that you haven't read yet because you thought, hmm, this is interesting, I'm going to get to it at some point, right? We are all unfinished projects. This is the trick to not backsliding. You see, Peter is giving us the key to prevent backsliding, to prevent stagnation. It's time that we close the door on the devil. We need to shut the door on the devil. Amen. You need to grow in grace. And that's where we're getting to. Because grace and peace can be multiplied. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 3, there is multiplication. And we're still laying the foundation, guys. I haven't told you who Jacobet is yet. There is multiplication. We are living in a multiplication world. That's what I showed you earlier. So you need to understand that grace and peace will be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Christ again is the substance. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. You need to get to grips with the transformation that is taking place. Enough lecturing, enough teaching. Let's get into transformation. Let's be at the forefront of everything that God wants. Let's learn how to multiply our grace through the knowledge of Christ, through the injection of divinity. You can experience this completeness and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. There is a radical implication though. You must be prepared to transform. So in Romans chapter 5, verses 15, the Bible says, if by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? That's talking about Adam. One man's trespass has led us to a space of grace deficiency. That's where it started. The template was set. Through one man's trespass, we find ourselves in a world of grace deficiency, but for Jesus. But for Jesus. Because the Bible says, how much more will those who receive the overflow and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Through the one man, Jesus Christ, we will reign. What does it mean to reign? We shall reign in life. You know the Greek translation? It means to have dominion, to rule, to enjoy honor, to enjoy prosperity that is due to kings. I don't know about you, but I want to reign. Right? I want to reign. It's time, folks, to step out of obscurity, out of a puny life, out of a puerile life, out of a subservient life, and to have a desire and an appetite for dominion. Because that's what grace is. Grace is sufficient for you. You have to draw the line at some point and you have to determine, do you want to live in this inexhaustible resources that God has made provision for us? In Psalms chapter 91, we find a grace sufficient environment. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is a place of sufficiency. Under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength and my fortress. Surely, at the end, He shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from perilous pestilence. 
Joseph lived in sufficiency. The Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. He refused to get sucked into what was happening there. Joseph succeeded in prison. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Isaac operated with great sufficiency. Isaac was able to sow in a famine and reap a hundredfold reward. He was able to sow in a famine. His grace quotient was high because he, was, he did not allow himself to be ruled by the fear of famine. He planted in faith. It takes faith to sow in famine. The Bible says that it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel when he was rebuilding the temple. This is the word that came to him. Zerubbabel needed not to be discouraged by the human limitations or afraid of earthly obstacles. He was able to build not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. You know when God calls us to a purpose? His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, equips us to complete it. So the Apostle Paul learned that in human weakness, there is no obstacle because God's power is perfected in it. Let me say that again. In your and my weakness, it's no obstacle to living in grace sufficiency because God's power is perfected through your and my weakness. And when we can grab that, that is why he said, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. Our God-given work is guaranteed to be successful, not by might, not by power, but by the guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now let's demystify some of the grace sufficiencies and some of these grace technologies that we talk about so we can help to accelerate our grace quotient. Let's turn around some of those seemingly insignificant things that we have in our hearts, in our minds, and let's see how we can step out into grace sufficiency. Remember Jochebed? Jochebed is the mother of Moses. She was introduced in Numbers chapter 26, verses 59. And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam, their sister. That's really about all that we know about her. But we're going to unpack a little bit. So Jacobed is usually lost in the shadow of her famous son, Moses. But the grace that Jacobed carried flowed through her family. And we're going to talk about some of the mysteries of these graces that she carried. Because in a family environment, like we are here, when God blesses one, and when one is living in grace sufficiency, that flows into her family. Like in Jacobed's life. When she lived in grace sufficiency, it flowed into Moses' life. If God is blessing one of us, then he has a plan to bless all of us. And the people around us are important, the people who you relate to, because it reveals the mysteries concerning both our individual and our corporate destinies. So we're going to go and look at some of these mysteries. The first one I call... The mystery of timing. 
So we're going to talk about Moses. So now in Ecclesiastics chapter 33 verses 1, the Bible says there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. There is a time and a season for everything under the sun. So here we find Moses in Exodus chapter 2 verses 11 to 15. Moses is out and about and going out to see his Hebrew brothers. And what happens? He finds an Egyptian striking one of his Hebrew brothers. So what does Moses do? Moses grabs the Egyptian, he kills him, and he buries him. So Moses has stepped out into destiny, or so he thinks. The very next day, Moses is walking, and he finds two of his Hebrew brothers beating each other up. So he stops them, and Moses says to them, he addresses it with them. But they retaliate, and they say, but Moses... Who made you both prince and judge over us? Because later on, Pharaoh did find out about this. And so Moses fled. He fled to settle in Midian. So whilst we know that God has called, even Jacobed knew that Moses was going to be the deliverer. Moses knew that he was going to be the deliverer. He stepped out of his timing. And when he stepped out of his timing, the ramifications meant that he needed to flee. Because Pharaoh had found out. So one of the ways to unlock this mystery, the mystery of timing, is a very simple word. Well, let me call it two words. It's called the wait. To unlock the mystery of timing, you've got to understand the wait. Divine timing is in the wait. I'd like you to change your perspective a little bit to see timing and the wait as a gift. The wait that I'm talking about is that time after which God has revealed something or something has been revealed to you and you are required to be patient. You are required to wait on God. I know that there are people sitting here with extraordinary gifts and talents. The ability that you carry is your grace and it's your gift. But how you nurture that is what brings you into a grace-sufficient environment. But don't be intimidated, family, and don't be frustrated with the waiting process. Because there is a process for character development. That is not always easy. But it's imperative full, full, full. Anybody raising teenagers here? So you know when you got youngsters, little bitty babies? You more or less live by instruction. You know the power of the pointing finger? You can actually go and research this, by the way. You can make human beings do pretty much what you want them to do with one finger. But you can do it at that age. Anyway, we've got a little puppy at home. And I'm teaching her the power of the finger as well. Because she's pooping everywhere, right? But the process of character development, when our kids are at that age, we use the power of the finger, we use the power of words. But as they grow older, as we get into young adulthood, we are now developing character. It's painful developing character. If you've got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. And if you are a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Because your character is being shaped. And it is a painful, painful process. But it's imperative. 
I look across the globe and I look at many, many multifaceted, hugely talented people and I see them lose their life just like that. You go and look around at some of the most gifted, talented people that we've lost by the age of 50. Do you know there was a character development deficiency in there? Don't push too hard. Don't try too hard. The process is there for a reason. Like Moses needed to mature. He, he was not ready to step out and to slay the Egyptian's throat just yet. He stepped out just a little ahead of his time. You know David? David got it right, I reckon. Why? Because David spent time alone. He spent time in worship. He learned the art of war. He had killed a lion. And he had killed a bear before he was ready to confront his Goliath. That is the mystery of timing. The next mystery is the mystery of favor. So in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 46, And so to find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If you want to walk in grace sufficiency, you got to let God direct your path. Now let me tell you something about favor. Favor is more valuable than money. Because favor will give you access to things that money cannot buy. That's what favor does. You see, favor is God's primary instrument of promotion. Because anytime that promotion comes in your life, whenever you have promotion in your life, favor will be the catalyst. Many people don't understand this mystery. Because favor can cause the person next to you or one in your circle to rise and accelerate while the other remains where they are. There's two dimensions of favor that are unlocked here in order for us to fulfill our mandate on earth. We need to have favor with God and we need to have favor with men. That's the unlock. That's the mystery of favor. When you find favor with God, heaven turns its attention towards you. Not favor with men. When you find favor with God, that's when heaven turns its attention towards you. You will have access to heaven's economy when God's favor is turned towards you. Do you know when medicine and science doesn't have the answer? When the credit manager looks at your score, in fact, it's the algorithm that looks at your score, and you can't get the loan that you need. When you're spending a lot of time going to psychologists and they don't have the answer. When Google and ChatGPT, what's it, version 4, doesn't have the answer. When your best friend and when your confidant doesn't have the answer, it's time to stop leaning on your own understanding. How much time do we spend with the bank manager, with the doctor, with the scientist, on Google, on ChatGPT? How many hours a day do you spend chatting to your best friend or your confidant who does not have the answer? How much a time? It's time to stop leaning on your own understanding and trust in him. Let his word 
direct your path. Because favor releases the resource. There's no shortage of resources in heaven. I can't imagine that God calls the angels together and the chief archangels and say, let's have a board meeting, guys, and let's figure out how we're going to pay the water and lights this month. No such thing. The template for the release of resources was set in the Garden of Eden. There's no clearer picture of the resources that God has. Yes, we have fallen. We have fallen into sin. But remember, at the center of our relationship with God is that He is our Father. He loves us. His desire is to bless us. His desire is to bring us into favor. His desire is to bring us to the space where we live full of grace sufficiency. And as a son, this empowers me as God is my father. I know that it is desire. He has a plan that is mapped out for me. He has the template. The template is there. It is I that needs to come back to the template. I can be at peace in God's hands because I know his plans are higher than mine. So, when you're trusting God for favor and when you're wanting to get into the space of grace sufficiency, can you stop asking God for more money? Can you stop asking God for a bigger house? Maybe another business contract? Could I perhaps ask you, like Solomon asked God for wisdom, could you perhaps say, can I get that next degree or that next qualification that I need? Can you perhaps become better well-read? Can you perhaps in the conversation show up with intelligence? Because that's what Solomon asked for. Can you be like David and go into a battle with courage? instead of asking for more money. That's tough. Can you show up as a well-defined, polished leader? We need leaders in the world today. Can we show up like David did as a leader? Can we show astuteness in governance and in rulership with whatever God has placed in our hands? You know, we may not always make the right choices but let's learn to become better leaders. These are the things that we need to activate to live in a grace-sufficient environment. And like Joseph, let's ask God to help us interpret dreams. Let's ask God to show us, give us insight into the deep and unknown or the things that may seem unknown that's hidden in the word of God. Like Joseph, Let's rather become empathetic and love our families even more. Let's bring them in. Let's care and let's show empathy. Let's show wisdom in stewardship. You know, nothing that I've said to you from these archetypes of the Bible, in none of them have I said, let's ask for more money. Let's ask for a bigger house. These are the tenets that we need for grace sufficiency. Mystery number three. The mystery of protecting emerging seed. And this is what Jacobet did. Jacobet's task was to protect the emerging seed. And in Job 33 it says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men 
and seals their instruction. Then he opens the ears of men. You see, cycles are broken by seeds. Because Jochebed, the mother of Moses, took on the task of protecting that seed of deliverance, which was Moses. She was chosen by God to give birth, to pray, and to protect this valuable seed. So even now, amongst us, there are seed carriers. Every one of us is carrying a cycle-breaking seed. And the mystery is we need to understand how do we protect this emerging seed. You see, the mystery here and the thing that we struggle to unlock in our human minds is that great things in the kingdom start small. They start as an idea, as a vision, a dream. And that is in essence what a seed is. It's an idea. It's a vision. It's a dream. It's an ambition. I'm going to nail this point home now. A couple of months ago, Pastor Justin put up some dreams and visions. The medical center. A Christian college. Those are seeds. Are we protecting those seeds? Like Jacobed protected the seed of Moses, the seed of deliverance. Do you know what a medical center is? Do you know what a Christian college is? They are institutes of grace sufficiency. That's what those are. Just like Moses carried grace sufficiency for the deliverance of Israel, those are the seeds that have been planted. Are we prepared? Are we guarding those seeds? Do we have sufficiency of grace to guard those seeds? These are dreams and visions with massive potential. It's emerging seed. It is up to us, family, to nurture, like Jacobet did. It is up to us to nurture, to develop, protect emerging seed. You see, God is looking for a generation of Jacobets. Each of us have been handpicked for a unique and a timely work on the earth. It's not by chance that we all are here. But what does it come down to? It comes down to your level of obedience. The thing about obedience is you can't delegate it. You can't delegate obedience. Obedience is you. It's your level of obedience that will protect an emerging seed, that will push you into an area, into a dimension of grace sufficiency. We can't blame adversity any longer. We can't blame lack of cooperation with the plans of God. It's our level of obedience. I'm landing. <laughs> Some keys to protect your seed. And we've spoken about this because we're moving into a level of obedience. Number one, pray boldly. You know, big giant-sized prayers. When last have you been to a big giant-sized prayer meeting? I was on a call with a pastor from Richards Bay last week. 
And he says, hey, Theo, how's it going? I said, no, man, I'm okay, pastor, how are you doing? He says, no, I'm just driving back and we're having an all-night prayer meeting. It was half past 10 at night. He says, yeah, no, they're just warming up now. When last have you had a big-sized prayer? When last have you stood up and said a big-sized prayer? Ask and it shall be given. Seek, you will find. Knock and it will be opened. And I don't believe we're knocking hard enough. Amen. You need to be alert. Because many of us have been lulled, in, lulled into a space of comfortableness. Let me rather use the words. We've become lazy and tardy when it comes to the things of God. It is right at the bottom of the list. But we're expecting to walk in a place of sufficiency. The third thing I'll talk about is rest. You know a rested mind is a peaceful mind. We are not taking time to rest. Rest is a gift. It's not a weakness. My wife loves to rest on a Sunday afternoon. It's not a weakness. You must rest your mind and your body. Otherwise, you will become susceptible to the lies of the enemy. If your mind is not well rested. I'm going to land on this one for this piece and then I'm going to go into the conclusion. If you want to Protect an emerging seed. Point number four. We've got to adhere to absolute moral standards. The Bible is clear in Isaiah chapter 5 verses 20. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We've got to learn to adhere to an absolute moral standard. Forming non-biblical moral compasses is one of the most dangerous things that we as believers can do. As disciples of Christ, we are called to live out our faith according to the word of God. Don't allow the enemy to lure you into gray moral territories. And we find ourselves there all the time. And again, I'm going to quote Cyril if you don't mind. We've lost our moral compass on so many important aspects of life. To live in grace sufficiency, you must be determined to hold fast to biblical truth and base your life on it. You got to go and fix those Google search engines that send up XXX rated stuff. You got to go and fix that business contract that you think may have just gone. I think if I just turned a blind eye to this one, it may just get through the tender process. It's about an absolute moral standard. Amen. In conclusion, I'm landing for the second time. <laughs> there are some key factors and we're going to talk about GQ. What are those? So the initial question that I asked, what are the, some of those things? I'm going to wrap it up in a couple of bullet points. The grace quotient essentials. Number one, you'd recognize somebody with high grace quotient, like Jacobed, by their bravery. You see, your high grace quotient will cause you to stand up and take action when all of hell is telling you to sit down. That's bravery. When all of hell is shouting at you, when all of hell is telling you, sit down, you can't do this, you can't accomplish this, you will stand up and you will be brave. You will be able to display supernatural bravery. Your family is your destiny. That's number two. 
God's plans are generational. We can't walk away from it, guys. You cannot walk away from it. God's plans and God's purposes are generational. And Jacobed's life affirmed that. With a high grace quotient, you won't feel under pressure when you are committed to what God has asked of you. You won't think twice. You won't stop twice to do what God has asked of you. You cannot step away from the direction that God has put in your life. Once God has demanded it of you, commitment. People with high grace quotient, high commitment levels. I spoke about this, patience. High grace quotient, patience. Don't get weary. Let the glory of God uphold you through your journey. High grace quotient are people who guard with tenacity seeds. If you find people guarding seed, if you find people protecting seed, they have a high GQ. You want to live in sufficiency? Start guarding the seed. Step into it. Don't step away from it. Trust, trust, trust. Unwavering trust in God. The day enemy will attack you, lies, there's temporary challenges in life. You would suddenly have to step into the woke culture. You can't step into the woke culture. You need to trust God. And don't step back when he speaks. And so, there are many other mysteries that we can speak about. The mystery of glory, the mystery of birthing, the mystery of fire, the mystery of honor. If I ever get the privilege, and maybe Pastor Justin and Pastor Mel may ask me to come back and speak again. We'll, we'll touch on some of those. Amen.